Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 1232, I guess technically speaking, on a Tuesday, technically I guess I should make it 1233 because of our next guest, Miles Turner, who last night, as I mentioned, hit his first four shots for the Indiana Pacers against Charlotte. Disappointing game for sure, but that is a franchise record now to hit 13 consecutive shots over the course of two different games for Miles Turner, who has a big event upcoming as part of Crossover, which is going to be at the Indiana Convention Center in celebration of All-Star Weekend. It's going to be Friday. We'll let Miles tell you more about that, but let me welcome onto the show Miles Turner. Miles, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's going on, Jake? I'm good, man. I can't call it. So here we are, Miles. It's All-Star Week. I know you have a game left to play between now and then, but you know there are a lot of events going on, one of which is going to help people through Gleaners. We'll get to that with you. But how excited are just you and your teammates to be able to showcase the city, the franchise, and to have the All-Star game in the arena that you, of course, call home? Listen, man, words can't describe it. I'm just so excited that, you know, the fans get to finally experience, um, you know, or get an immersive experience like this coming to the city. You know, I think we're, we're one of the best host cities. We've hosted multiple events, you know, in the past. But to have All-Star Week and come here and have, you know, everybody flying from all over the world just to be, in, you know, in our great city. Uh, I'm excited, like I said, just for them to actually experience, you know, what an NBA All-Star is all about. And, um, you know, being able to host it, being one of the longest tenure guys here. Uh, I think it's been a long time coming for myself. And, uh and I'm going to represent the city well. You know, I'm just uh, taking on the role of being the ambassador for the weekend. Miles Turner, our guest. Miles, you are no stranger to helping out people in central Indiana through philanthropic events. You're going to have another one upcoming at the convention center at the crossover event. Look, I'm from Indiana, so I've never met a shot I didn't like. And I think most people listening to this radio show, if they're from Indiana, they love shooting three-pointers. And now they've got a chance to do it with you to help people out. Tell us about it. Yeah, man, it's honestly, it's really a dope event and it goes hand in hand, you know, with my philanthropic endeavors and the things that I believe in. So it's called Threes for Charity. So I'm inviting fans from everywhere from four to five um, at the uh, convention center. Stars and I have their own court NBA crossover. So we're going to come out and our goal is to make 100 threes. And in doing so, um, we're going to donate $33,000 to Gleaners Food Bank, which if you're unfamiliar, it's the largest you know hunger relief organization in Indy. Um, you know, I personally, we was appalled by their numbers last year. They provided uh, for about a third of the food and secure community here in Indianapolis, and that's which is about 100 million meals. And, um, you know, once I saw that, you know, like I said, this goes hand in hand with things that I believe in. So I'll give the fans a chance to come out, have some fun, you know, kick it, enjoy some, enjoy some lemon lime star, you know what I'm saying? Crisp and refreshing. And uh, just to kick it, man, you know, obviously, you know, I'll be there and I'll be around just to, you know, say what's up to some people here and there. And just, uh, it's all for a great cause. And um, yeah, man, I'm excited. And like I said, Miles, this will not take long to reach the goal because people in Indiana love to shoot, right? You give them a basketball and you're near a goal. Everybody here just thinks that they are the best shooter there can be, right? No matter where you're at, you're going to see a hoop, man. That's why I've learned that really quick. Miles Turner is our guest. Miles, one game left until All-Star break arrives. You guys are on the road against Toronto. When you look at how much this roster has changed over the last couple of weeks, when you bring in Pascal Siakam and Buddy Heald exit stage right and Doug McDermott is brought in, how challenging is it to get the roster back to where it was from a continuity standpoint? And how challenging is it learning new teammates' play styles and how they can fit in with your already existing game plans? 
Um, yeah, you know, the trade deadline obviously presents its challenges. I think that, you know, the biggest thing is trying to integrate the new guys as quickly as possible. Someone like Pascal, he's an all-star, someone who's, uh, you know, one in this league. So he was able to integrate, uh, be integrated pretty quickly. You know, we're still trying to get Doug up to speed, but um, I think our biggest challenge is going to be our defense. You know, I think that's what we talked about all season long. I think that once guys commit to that in the floor, especially like our, you know, our newer guys, sky's the limit at that. You know, we can score with the best of them. You know, we can, we've put up historic numbers this year, but in order for us to make any real noise, man, we got to definitely, you know, anchor down that defensive end. And um, I think that that's been our, I think our biggest message over the past, you know, a couple of weeks or so. So, Miles, take me through the schedule for you in terms of All-Star Weekend. Obviously, you guys have a game left in Toronto, but then once you come back to Indianapolis, what does your schedule of events look like? Yeah, man, I'll be ripping and running. Um, I've got, you know, plenty of stuff to do, a loaded itinerary basically from, you know, Thursday to about Monday. So I'll be there all weekend. Um, like I said, I really want us to uh, take this opportunity to be the city's ambassador and, uh, you know, move around and just – uh, represent the city well. So I'm doing the skills challenge, you know, on Saturday. That's going to be fun. Me, Tyrese, and uh, Ben Matherin. Uh, you know, we're representing the, uh, you know, the team with that one. Um, you know, I'll obviously be around for NBA Saturday night. Um, I'm a, I'll probably be, I'll be a Rising Stars correspondent as well on Friday. So you'll see me around the court just to get the young boys involved, ask the questions of what but, um, you know, obviously I have a lot to do with my, with my own organization, Warm. You know, we host hosting, you know, uh, some events as well. And, I'll just be ripping and running, man. Like, I'm literally, I'll be all around the city. You know, I just want to encourage fans to come up, and if they see me, come say what's up to me, show some love. You know, obviously, I'll kick game back, and um, you know, I'll be a, I'll be a busy man, but all for a great cause. Miles, at what point in time during your career did you make a promise to yourself that when opportunities like partnering with Starry and working with Cleaners Food Bank presented themselves, that you would take advantage of them and do your best to give back to the community? Yeah, man. So I think that, you know, I'm in such a fortunate position in my life and, you know, a blessed one at that, that I can change a lot of people's lives. I have changed a lot of people's lives. So when I see opportunities like that, you know, I just know that, you know, I remember where I come from. You know, I remember that, you know, you're one mistake away or you're, you're one, you know, you're one, I don't know, mischeck away from your life completely, you know, being changed. So, you know, I never, I try to stay, you know, grounded to my roots. And whenever I see, um, you know, opportunities that are close to my heart or, you know, kind of line up with, like I said, with my philanthropic endeavors, you know, I want to try to get out there and uh, make the difference that I can, especially in the community that's, you know, really, really uh, opened its arm to me since I've been here. And, um, you know, you got to pour in, you know, it's a community that, that pours into you. I know you guys still have one game left before All-Star Weekend, but it's supposed to be a fun event, a time where athletes are coming together, but of course teammates are coming together in their own right. When will you and Benedict and Tyrese game plan for All-Star Saturday night? You know what? That's such an interesting question because I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if there is a game plan. I think you just go out there and get it done. I mean, um, I was that kid in school who always like studied right before the test, never like weeks ahead in advance, and it usually worked out pretty well for me. So that's at least my strategy. So um, I'm hoping to just let the skills take over. And, um, you know, like I said, I represent the city well. Miles Turner is our guest here on Query and Company. Miles, this morning on the wake-up call with KB and Andy, your coach Rick Carlisle talked about Benedict Matherin, said that he had an illness and then that he had banged his leg against New York and that maybe there was even thought of Benedict Matherin sitting a little bit and that Rick Carlisle had concerns about his health. What is your level of concern about Benedict Matherin? Ben's a trooper, man. And, you know, think about him. You know, he's obviously young, but he'll never let you know if he's feeling bad or he's hurt. You know, he has a, 
he kind of has a stale face like most of the time and that's just kind of his demeanor and i got a lot of respect for that kid man for real like he's just uh he's, he's a warrior um i think that's one of those situations where um you have to forcibly sit him down you know at times you know i think it happened a couple like you know a couple games ago i think he got a, he got a little sick and then um obviously a couple games ago you know he banged up his leg but he's not going to be the one to be like hey you know you know i'm hurt i need to sit down and that could be a detriment or it could be you know or it could be a great thing you know especially going to the playoffs and whatnot so as a team you know as a brotherhood we got to kind of you know work with him because I think that he's one of those guys who just, you know, he wants his heart's in the right place always. He really wants to help. But, you know, you don't want him to be his own worst enemy when it comes to that. So my level of concern is low. You know, I think he's fine. I think his ideal timing heading into the all-star break where he can obviously get right if he needs to. But um, he's going to be very important for us and an X factor for this team. Is he ready for that? I think so, man. I think that he was <laughs> he was born ready, man. Uh, I think he had flashes last year, obviously where he showed his potential, um, but he's still learning the, the learn of this league. You know, I think he's shown. You know, he can obviously score what he wants to, but same thing I said before. You know, it's just uh, committing ourselves to the defensive end, and I think that's what he has to realize. You know, we need from him, and that's what uh, the coaching staff is trying to. I guess the message trying to convey to him is that we need you defensively. You know, if we're ever going to do anything, you know. Again, Pacers in Toronto Wednesday night, and then Miles Turner take us through one more time on Friday how people can come out and meet you, put up some shots, and help out the folks at Gleaners Food Bank. Yeah, man, coming out to NBA crossover. It's going to be at the convention center downtown uh, from four to five p.m. on Friday, February sixteenth. Uh, we're going to be out there for you know for that hour, and the goal is to make a hundred three pointers. And like like Jake said, y'all are from Indy. I know y'all can shoot, man. Pull up, enjoy some good story. Uh, the first 50 fans that show up um, in Pacers gear, very important, in Pacers gear, will get a signed, uh, you know, photo of myself. And, um, you know, we're donating $33,000 to Gleaners Food Bank after we make those 100 three-pointers. So come out, put some shots up, come kick it. And uh, I guarantee you, man, it's going to be a great weekend in the great city of Indianapolis. Again, one last stop in Toronto and then here in Indianapolis for the all-starry, I guess we'll call it, weekend. Miles Turner, I appreciate the time, and we look forward to seeing you this weekend. Absolutely. Appreciate you Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Our next guest covers the NBA and the WNBA for ESPN. You find his work also as well on Yes Network and co-hosting the R2C2 podcast with CC Sabathia, one of my personal favorites. He's Ryan Rucco. Nice note to take some time with us. He will be on the call for the Celebrity All-Star Game on Friday night. Ryan, first off, how's the winter storm up there, man? How, how are things in New York? Oh, it is legit it is a legit legit storm we have um i mean i haven't gone out with a, uh, a measuring stick but i would think that or a ruler but i think i think we probably have around a foot of snow uh in the suburbs of new york so um yeah it's going to be interesting getting to uh brooklyn tonight for net celtics not only that, but I guess when do you arrive in indianapolis when do you have to get here for all-star weekend well, I don't get there till Friday morning, um, so I got some time before uh, before I have to make my way there. Um, so everything should be fine. I won't actually be coming from New York, so so the weather shouldn't affect me in that regard. But 
but yeah, it, it could. I, I mean, for anyone who's getting it real early, um, and I just happen to have a lot of random people in my life who were flying today. I don't know why, but they were, and they've definitely been uh, significantly delayed or altered because of this. Hey, man, you never know, right? Like that's the travel is one of those things, Ryan. I've always said it. You know, the old the days of like I get in Wednesday at two. That's gone, right? You get in Wednesday. Yeah. Hopefully, that's the best way of saying yeah. it when you travel. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that's right. So once you arrive in our fair city, your responsibilities and the number of things with which you will be involved in the All Star Game are what? Just the celebrity game. I'll just broadcast the celebrity game, and that's it. Okay. Weird question. Do you have to yeah. scout the basketball acumen of the different players that are in the celebrity game? Like, do you know who actually might be pretty good? Do you know who's going to be a stooge? Do you know who all of them are, et cetera, et cetera? No, uh, no to everything. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I think, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's some guys who you kind of expect, like I expect CJ Stroud will be good just because he's C.J. Stroud. You know, there's an Italian high jumper who I think, like, you know, he could probably dunk, right? <laughs> Get some um, alley-oops going and, on that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then everybody else, I think we just kind of got to wait and see how it plays out um, without having a high degree of confidence on anything. And, and you know, the, the prep is interesting for something like this because really, you know, my job is just to – kind of keep the show on the tracks, right? Like it's a fun show. We handle it loosely. Um, Richard and Monica and Cassidy I'm working with will all have a blast. So I'm kind of just there to help navigate it. Um, but it, it is interesting because, right, when you're prepping for these people, it's like you don't really know anything about their games, but you just want to know different things about their credentials and why they're there and, and things along those lines. ESPN broadcaster Ryan Rucco is our guest. Ryan, I'm going to deviate slightly from the all-star conversation because you were a part of history last June. And I have to imagine from your perspective, for those that don't know, you fill in on Yes Network very often for Michael Kay. And we had the 24th perfect game in MLB history last June when Domingo Herman of the Yankees pitches one against the Athletics, and you're on the call for that game. I know you've had plenty of time to reflect on that now, but how cool was that to be a part of and know that that's a call that's going to live forever? Oh, man. It was, it was incredible. Like the, I said, I actually, what's really interesting is, you know, you get, you get these, um, and you know, like when you broadcast an, an awesome game, you get a performance high. And it's a lot like anybody who's ever acted in a play. Like there's just a high from that performance or done any kind of live performance that, you know, afterwards you really feel and there's a buzz that's palpable to you. And I, I experienced that. And let's say if I call a, an overtime game, right. And like buzzes are like, you know, I, last year, Iowa, South Carolina, and then Iowa, LSU in the women's tournament. And like, you might feel that kind of electricity from it. For that night, maybe it lasts into the next day a little bit. The high off calling the perfect game, literally, I felt for a week, truly. And, you know, I think it's because, first of all, I grew up a diehard Yankee fan to be associated with this organization and a moment in history like that, to feel good about the call, to have gotten to do it on TV while one of my best friends in the world was filling in doing it on radio. Um, and, uh, <laughs> 
and to to just have like the different reaction from people in my life who would react that way because it's me and they love me and they're my friends and family. But it, it was an avalanche of, you know, reaction because I grew up in New York. And so most of the people in my life are Yankees fans, you know? So um, it was just this, this really awesome, awesome moment uh, that, um, you know, definitely is, you know, going to be hard to beat when it comes to any baseball broadcast I ever get to do in my life. So, Ryan, I've asked this question a billion times. I'll ask you. Let's say that you are – like, what's peak fandom age for somebody? Usually it's like 15 to 20, right? Like, in that yeah. age range, right? So, yeah. So, you yeah. being a Yankees fan, mm-hmm. just, just take average baseball fan that's 18 to 20 years old. How far into a game of the opposing team's pitcher – with a perfect game going, do you have to get before you cross over and say, look, I have a chance to see history here, and even though it's against my team, I'm rooting for the perfect game. And I'm talking about if you're watching it in late April and it's a 4 to nothing game, how far into okay. the game do you have to go before you, you punt on the fandom? And um, It depends on who the team is because – and I think it's evolved a little bit because when I was like 18, I don't think I ever would root for it uh, for under any circumstances if it was happening against the Yankees. Um, now I would. So it definitely has evolved a little bit. Um, I, it's, a, it's a good question. I think, I, I think now if, if I saw – if it was like a – a game that was like, or, or let's not say now, but let's say like maybe like 27. With 18, I just think I'm just blanket no. But like 27, if I Yeah, let's say third, like for the average yeah. 30 to 35-year-old yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Then I think I think if I got to the sixth inning, wow, okay. inning and the game, game wasn't of great consequence, and I'm like, you know what? It'd be really cool to see a perfect no game. No question. And it's not like, it's not a pitcher I despise on the mound. Like if it's not Josh Beckett, you know, then I'm like, okay, like let's, Let's 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 see this happen. So I feel like probably that's about where I went. Hey, you also, by the way, Ryan Rucco, our guest, you also call ESPN's, you know, some WNBA games. Indiana right now is in an interesting situation, Ryan, in terms of the fever. And I know you probably didn't expect me to throw you a WNBA question, but Well, no, it's fine. I mean, I've they, called the finals for eleven years, so I'm always ready. Okay. So they know they have the number one pick and they're waiting to see whether or not Caitlin Clark foregoes her final year of eligibility and enters into the draft. Now, there are a lot of factors one would assume that tips towards Indiana, but for our listeners that may not be aware, how big just a social and cultural impact will Caitlin Clark have in addition to her playing skill if she becomes a member of the Indiana Fever on the city of Indianapolis? It will be instant. And it will be almost incalculable. That's how big of an impact it will be. If you look at what is happening across the country with attendance and ticket sales, let's just talk in person first, for Caitlin Clark games, it is astonishing. I think all but two of her games this year on the road have set like road arena records or been sellouts. Um, and then every single home game in Iowa is sold out. 
I think you probably saw they played at Connect Stadium, their football stadium, uh, in October for a, 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 an out-of-conference uh, game, and they got, you know, they set the record for attendance for a women's basketball game. It was over 50 or 60,000 that they had for that. Um, and then you talk about the economics of it and the, the ratings portion of it. Like, you know, the, these games, Iowa's games are drawing massive viewers. We had a, 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 an Iowa, um, who was they playing? Was it Iowa-Michigan or Iowa-Indiana game? I mean, they had a game, Iowa-Ohio State game that was doing, I think it did almost 2 million viewers, like on a, this is a regular season game. You know, we used to, a couple years ago when I was starting, when we would do million and a half viewers in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, we were like, yo, those are, that's a really legit number, which it is. You know, now it has just grown so astronomically. And there are a lot of fact, factors around it, but she is the LeBron, the Curry to ratings uh, in women's basketball. Like we can see, and we've seen for years, LeBron's involved, Steph's involved, rating is completely different. That's the way it is right now uh, with Caitlin Clark. And if she, when she, I mean, I really am curious to see what kind of impact she's going to have on attention around the W, because we have not seen in this media era a player as transformative and as transcendent as she is with the attention that she has come to the pros. And so while we've had great ones, we've never seen one who's followed like this, who's already had this track record of, you know, rating success and attendance success in college where it's like, whoa, I mean, she's by far and away the biggest star in college basketball, women's or men's. So I, I think it's huge. And then on the floor, I think it's tremendous as well. You could pair her with Aaliyah Boston and have them be an inside-out combo. That's the foundation of a championship, not to mention some of the other young talent that Indiana has. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that Caitlin's going to come in right away and be a top 10 player in the WNBA, top 15 player in the WNBA. And I think, you know, by the time she gets a couple years in, she'll be a perennial MVP candidate. ESPN broadcaster Ryan Rucco joins us. Ryan, Tyrese Halliburton reminded the world about the Indiana Pacers in that in-season tournament run. Then they go just a couple weeks ago and acquire Pascal Siakam. They're still figuring things out, but Stan is a seven seed if it ended today. What's your outlook on the Pacers as we approach the midway point of the season with the All-Star weekend? You know, I, I think I think the Pacers are good. I think they're really good. I love the the way they've made moves, I, I think Halliburton obviously is the kind of point guard that just makes everyone around him better. Not only that, but is so fun to watch. Um, and, you know, obviously it takes time when you're moving out some key rotation pieces who helped you build that record and, you know, have the success in the in-season tournament. But I think when you look at what this team has now, um, you have to be really excited about the possibilities of where they can go. And in East, where there isn't a ton of separation, you know, as much as we talk about, Hey, the Knicks could go to the Eastern conference finals. They could even go to the finals. And if they get healthy, I think they could, but if they play Indiana in the first round, am I sure that the Knicks are going to win that series? I picked the Knicks, but I wouldn't be a hundred percent certain if Indiana won that series in seven games, I wouldn't be totally shocked, you know? And I think, I think that that's the kind of, I think that's sort of the, the ceiling for this team this year. And I do think it's significant is to go into the playoffs with teams being like, Ooh, I don't really love having to play Indiana here. And, 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 and could the Pacers 
pull off a first round upset? I think they could. And then that's the foundation you build upon, you know, from there moving forward. But what you're going to get is, you know, players are going to want to play with Halliburton, even if the market isn't a huge market that's traditionally attractive to NBA free agents. They're going to want to play with Halliburton. And, and this is a team that's kind of, you know, at the foundation of, I think, uh, something special and something sustainable. So um, I really like where Indiana's at, and I just love watching them play. Ryan Rucco on the call for the Celebrity Game here as part of All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. Ryan, your wife just texted us and said, get out and start shoveling the driveway. <laughs> oh, I'm on my way, man. Between that and, uh, and, uh, and a six-year-old, you know, all parents can relate. Snow days and, and, and sick kids will throw your winter for a loop. That's right, man. Mr. Mom, hey, we appreciate the yeah. time, man. Enjoy Indianapolis. Stay safe. All right. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Once upon a time in this town... There was a kid that hopped a fence at a private school to take a couple of shots in the basketball courts outside, and he thought he was in trouble. And somebody came up and said, you know what? You got a pretty nice jumper, young man. Where do you go to school? And the next thing you know, basketball became a passion and a pastime for a guy that went on to become a prolific scorer at Broderpool High School and then playing at IUPUI before a long NBA career that included the Indiana Pacers. He now is essentially a rancher in San Antonio and joins us on the show talking about former Pacer George Hill. George, always a pleasure. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, We cannot complain. We are excited for the All-Star Weekend. You've got a big event coming up that we will talk about as well, but I just touched on it there. I know that you told me that you've got a four-month-old in your lap, which is pretty cool. Uh, for those that haven't heard from you since you were last with the Pacers last year, give us an update on what right now life is like for George Hill. I mean, it's, life is good. Um, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm enjoying the time with my, my kids and things like that and family. But um, still works out every day from 9, basketball-wise, 9 to 11, and waits from 11.30 to 1. So, uh, still in the gym, getting getting better, just uh, just in case someone calls and wants to add me to a roster and things like that. But other than that, is doing doing the things I love to do, which is hunting and fishing and uh, spending time with family and friends. So I can't complain at all. So you have not ruled out the possibility of returning to play. Does that mean? And I I know this sounds weird. Just NBA, or would you be willing to go like overseas if something opened up? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't overseas is a long way away from my family at the time, so I would say stick to the, the NBA side. George, if you don't mind me asking, you mentioned if a team happens to call, are your agents or you yourself actively looking for an opportunity, or is it just one of those things where you're staying healthy, staying fit, and if a team happens to need your services, then you'd answer the meeting? Uh, like my agent is dealing with that, um, so it's just. Like he told me, you know, stay ready. You just never know with injuries and things like that and situations. So, um, you know, just me staying ready and trying to figure out what's my next opportunity to go be a part of a, a team that, that needs me in uh, any way possible. 
How did things, George, in terms of the end of last year and not being brought back to Indiana with the Pacers? You know, I know obviously when you came back, it was for a short period of time, but what was your mindset in terms of your desire to stay here and the conversations that might have take place, taken place, if any, about that possibility? Uh, you said what are the possibilities of returning there? Well, I mean, I'm saying like, like when, yeah, when you were here and then your contract right. expired, you know, how, how aggressive were you to talking to them about trying to stay here or were you at all? I mean, what was that process? I mean, I was super aggressive, um, you know, from what I was told before that, you know, they, they wanted me back there and, um, you know, the, the young guys wanted me around, uh, that I did a great job of, you know, stepping in, being a mentor, things like that. So um, I had high hopes thinking I was uh, going to possibly have the opportunity to come back there this year. And, um, you know, that how that goes in the summer, you know, thing, things happen and the opportunity wasn't there. So um, it's okay. I, I understand it's a business. Um, would I have loved to come back for sure? Um, everyone knows how much Indiana means to me. And, you know, ending my career as a Pacer, uh would have been super awesome. So um, if the opportunity is still there, I'll, I'm sure I will embrace it with open arms, but, you know, it's, it's not there right now. What did you think of the roster and just the players around you? Know, there were a lot of young players, right? I mean, from Tyrese Halliburton to Aaron Neesmith, you know, you, you had, as you had mentioned, kind of that elder statesman role, but what was your overall assessment and how much do you follow what the Pacers are doing right now? Uh, I mean, I, I really loved what, what they were doing. Um, you know, I think Tyrese is coming all together. You know, Ben, uh, still one of my good friends to this day is TJ McConnell. We still talk probably once a week. Um, adding a guy like Pascal now, Siakam, which, you know, I've known him since he was a little, not a little kid, but a, a young, young, young man at the time. Uh, his brother was actually my roommate in college. So, um, familiar with him and uh, James Johnson, all of them. So uh, it, it, it was it was fun. It was fun being around all those guys. It, it was a true blessing. Um, I, I enjoyed my my short stint there. Um, I wish it was a little longer, uh, but like you said, it's figuring it all out and uh, trying to figure out what's best uh, for them, and at the same time, what's best for me. George Hill is our guest. I know you mentioned at the top of the conversation, George, how much Indianapolis means to you being a native here, but I've been to San Antonio. It's a great place, and that's obviously where you reside now. You were drafted there. At what point in your NBA career did you realize, hey, man, San Antonio is a great place to live, too. I'd like to plant roots here. Uh, my first year here, you know, was something totally different. Um, the The weather was, I think, the – the biggest factor in the end of it is not putting up with snow and cold weather. So um, when when I seen that, it was like, man, I love Indiana, but also love Texas. And what gave it a one-up was not having to deal with the, the cruel winters. <laughs> I'm with you there. And, and George, in addition to that, look, we, we've told the story, you and I have told the story on the radio before in past shows, but for those that don't know, you know, when you lived in the cold winters of Indianapolis as a kid – you had a horse. That's one of my favorite stories is you and Ropey, yeah. like riding your horse to school. Um, For sure. Do you still have like a bunch of animals on where you live now in Texas? Yeah. Um, I actually was blessed and fortunate enough to buy a ranch here 
um, almost 900 acres where, you know, I really housed in a bunch of um, African exotic animals. We have over 45 or 50 horses so far with many males and female horses. Um, but uh, we, we have everything from ostrich to kangaroo to zebras to wildebeest, um, red lechways and palas, uh, you know, elands, kudus, black buck, whitetail, fallow. I can keep going down the list, but so uh, you just let them—they just run free. Like, what's a pet kangaroo like? I, I mean, do they? Can you catch up with them? How do you feed them? What, what goes on there? Who has a better vertical? So they, I still have the better vertical right now. Uh, <laughs> they're a little, they're they're young, but no. Uh, I mean, I have I have a company that comes out and you know puts protein feed and corn and feeders uh, every two weeks. Um, that they're like, uh, you know, 3,000-pound feeders and things like that. So um, the protein is gravity-fed and the corn is thrown out, you know, twice twice in the morning, twice at night. Um, so the, all the animals will, you know, hear a certain sound on the feeder, and that means they know the food is coming out and things like that. So you never really have to get close to a lot of them. None of them really will allow you actually to get close enough to touch maybe a couple of deer uh will that was bottle fed when we first got them um and other than that like the babies uh that we see like my son will go up and pick up some of the baby deer and pet them and things like that but other than that nothing's really letting you get that close now here's a dumb question do they do they play with with others or like do they have to be warden off like are there some animals that would threaten others how do you keep them like does everybody have their own little neighborhood What, what goes on there Pretty much everything has its own like side. Like uh, every once in a while, you'll find animals fighting each other or, or trying to crossbreed, depending on what type of animals it is. <laughs> okay, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Those kangaroos, you got to watch them, right? They're out trying yeah, to crossbreed all might, the time. Yeah, they, they, they might go with ostrich. You never know. Uh, it gets uh-huh. it gets rough out. It gets rough out there at times. <laughs> you but know, no, uh, it's it just you know it's it's the nature of anything you know you you get a lot of animals in one place and some some animals like not might not like another animal and they start fighting or whatever and you you kind of like wore them off and put them in different pastures and stuff like that but normally that like they, they don't they don't really fight each other because you know most of the time they're fighting either over food or something like that but if they have enough food enough water enough space they just go about their way. George Hill is our guest, the former IUPUI star and Indiana Pacer, of course. George, growing up in Indianapolis, and, you know, I, I know what Indianapolis meant to you. I know what Broderbill High School meant to you and just, you know, the school itself and trying to, to to revitalize that. When you think about just growing up in Indy, you know, I think for anybody, they say that they always want their kids to have like the better upbringing than they had. To, to, and I'm not saying you had a bad one by any stretch, but the the opportunities that are now afforded your children, and you now have three of them, do you ever just kind of sit back at night in the quiet and just think about the journey you've been on? I mean, all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's been a heck of a career so far. If it was the end, it's been a heck of a life so far. Um, something that it was only counted as a dream became reality. Um, so to sit back and, you know, see my kids start to grow up and trying to provide them with opportunities that I, that I didn't have as a kid and, and things like that is, I think, something that you, you never really uh, want to take for granted. But I think sometimes we do because we're so caught up in the moment at times. And, and, you know, our jobs go by so fast and we're we're so 
you know, focused on those on, on those things. But when you actually get to take time to sit back and enjoy the the fruit of your labor and, and see your kids smile in certain situations, um, that's that's kind of what it's all about. George Hill is our guest. George, I, I apologize. I followed down a rabbit hole, and I'm now enamored fully by the ranch. So I have another ranch <laughs> question for you. What, keep the keep the kangaroos <laughs> out of the rabbit hole, Jimmy. I'll do my best. What, aside from the cost, the upkeep, what is the most difficult thing about being a rancher to those like myself that are fully ignorant to taking care of animals on such a large scale? Uh, I think that the, the the hardest the hardest thing is is freaking it's always something with the ranch. You know, you either have a fence that's getting tore up by the wild boar hogs here, or yeah, you might find a dead animal here and there that you know either got sick or been fighting another animal. Um, you know, like certain certain situations where you know the the feeder gets broke because animals are ramming it with their head as far as like your all dad and your ram and stuff like that. But, you know, scooping up all the poop and pee from the horses are the hardest things. Other than that, it's it's pretty fun. George, do you have a particular animal? Be honest. I, I know that you're like ranching this, but is there one that's like your favorite pet? Is there actually one animal, even maybe one that you don't get to see like and get up close and personal with, but that deep down has the soft spot in your heart? Uh, I would say the... African sable are some of my favorite animals. I think the majestic uh, of the the animal, the way it looks with the suede black type skin and the and the nice antlers and things like that, horns. I think is for me is one of my most majestic animals. I feel in my mind that's pretty cool. Now you don't just get these at Uncle Bill's on Lafayette Road, right? No, you can't. Like there's <laughs> there's certain breeders, there's certain places that you have to go you know, that are that are breeders for it. There's a couple auction sites that you can go online, like wildlife buyers have a bunch of different sites. I mean, animals on their site that you can kind of uh, auction, uh, bid on, and, and win those bids for certain animals and things like that. What's the fastest animal on the ranch? The fastest? Ooh. It all depends. All of them are fast, but I would probably say uh, your whitetail are pretty fast. Now, as a hunter, as a hunter, you have to. Now, I realize you don't hunt on your ranch, but you've traveled the world hunting, right? And I want to get into what you have upcoming here on Saturday night at Newfields. But you've traveled the world for hunting, correct? Yeah. Where's the best place you've been? Or I don't even mean from a hunting standpoint, but what is the one place in the world you've traveled that that you thought to yourself, "I can't believe I'm here." I mean, like as a hunter, your biggest thing is going to African safari. Right. And I was blessed to do that three years ago, um, to actually be in, in the wild with lions, leopards, and all the other stuff that you, you see on National Geographic of Africa to finally like get there and you see a pack of lighting, lions eating a, a giraffe. Like it was something that you always see on TV to be like, man, I'm actually right in the middle of this. And you know, being in the middle of it at night where you're hearing the lions roar and the elephants, you know, making all their sounds, stumping around your tent. I think that was probably the most interesting place I've ever been from my hunt standpoint that been like, man, this is was a dream. And now I got to actually see it with my own eyes. Now, can you list for me, George Hill, 
in order the NBA teams that you played for. This is a little quiz for you. Can you do it in order the teams that you've played for? Of course. Okay, go ahead. Uh, San Antonio. Yep. Went to Indy. Yep. Indy to Utah. Yep. Utah to Sacramento for a couple months. Okay. Sacramento to Cleveland for a year and a half. Went from Cleveland to Milwaukee. Was in Milwaukee for multiple years and ended up going to OKC for a little while. And then went to Philly for a little while. Then I went back to Milwaukee. Then getting shipped back to Indiana. Yes. Well done. That's impressive because we had on Shelvin Mack and he got tripped up a little bit on his own resume. Um how does it work when you get traded? I, I, you know, when a trade happens, do you know ahead of time, or do they just literally call you in that day? How does it work? I mean, it's the sucky part of life. Um, it's basically like, let's just say if you're doing your job right now and if somebody come and tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, pack your shit up and go to Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> you got to be there in a day and a half. Uh-huh. <laughs> Believe me, there have been people that have been wanting to say that to me like weekly for about 10 years, George. Um, so so that so that's how it actually feels like, and I think you know from the outside world looking in, yes, they always say, "Oh, why is he mad? He got traded. He knows the business." It's not the point of knowing the business; it's the point of the unknown, and especially like you have you have kids, you build your roots, you build your foundation in those cities, you you meet people, you you create like a bond with your teammates and things like that, and then one day you're just like all shit hell breaks loose, and they tell you pack your shit up and go to to Minnesota or go to Memphis or go anywhere and and you're you're having to pack all your stuff up in two or three days and get up and get out of there. Now George, we got to um, say stuff more often for that, right? We got to say you got to pack your stuff up more often, right? <laughs> hey, um, oh, my fault. I, I didn't know I, I I didn't know this was Disney Channel. Or <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry. We, you thought it was Animal my Planet, fault. right? I mean, let's yeah, be my, fair. My, my fault. My fault, guys. Right. I didn't. Well, I didn't do you remember know. the time? Do you I remember guess. the time when we were doing a live interview with you and you dropped your phone down the laundry chute? Do you remember that? Yeah. That, I thought something right. happened to you. We were calling nine one one. So, so no, this pales. Was, I forgot. I forgot. Like sometimes <laughs> I just I curse sometimes just with small curse words. So. That's okay. I apologize. I, I apologize to all the listeners out there. Sorry for for damaging you guys' eardrums today. George, to further be an agent of chaos here, and this is more just for me. It's not a question. It's a statement. But my uh, goofy mind, when you had the backpacks for kids with all of your free throws, this is this uh, reference won't do anything for you. It'll do people for my age, Eddie's age, and younger. Dora the Explorer was a show that was popular when I was a child, and there was a little backpack that had a high-pitched voice that would say, back, 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 back. Backpack. Yeah, exactly. I wanted that played Gamebridge after every made free throw. (laughs) It never happened. I was not old enough to give that pitch to somebody, but I just wanted to share that for you. If we ever get you back in the league and a program like that is there, I want that a part of your free throw made. Want it over the PA. That would actually be pretty cool. Now we're on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Nickelodeon. I like yep, it. Yep, we are. We're going um, All-Starry Night, hosted by NBA's own George Hill. This is going to be at New Fields. It is coming up this Saturday at 9 o'clock. George, you have put this together, I believe, with our friend Amp Harris, but take me through everything that is planned and how people can get involved to celebrate All-Star Weekend with George Hill. I mean, it was awesome. It was, uh, you know, you have to you have to really thank, you know, Newfield, Monica, one of my best friends, Jamie, uh, coming to kind of help put this together. Me and Amp 
um, trying to figure things out uh, from a talent standpoint and things like that. So um, really just wanted to give Indianapolis something different. You know, we know there's going to be a lot of parties out there that, you know, we don't we don't know what's going to go on and how it's going to be, but I want to, to get a party where I knew that uh, we're going to try to do the best we can to have a safe environment, something different that the city may not have seen, um, good uh, vibes around the whole area with some uh, awesome people to be around. So um, it's more of like a dress, dress to impress of it. Um, we're going to have uh, a lot of different things you can do with your ticket price. You get free food and alcohol with that. Um, we have some great uh, people that's going to be there as far as the trap orchestra. Um, Brian Thompson, one of my little brothers from Indianapolis, is going to play the saxophone. Um, we have a heck of a host named Common um, that's going to be hosting the party uh, with all the other people and celebrities that's coming. Um, you just have to be a part of it. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for everyone in Indy to be a part of it, to come and see something totally different. Um, we rented out the whole top floor of the loom. Um, so that's going to be awesome with the Van golf starry night, uh, background in the, in the, in the background. So it's just something different. I, I think, you know, you have to come to see it. Um, it, it's going to be an awesome, awesome night with awesome event, uh, with great people. And, and it's going to be something that you just don't want to miss out on discovernewfields.org is where you can get tickets it's right there on their main page for george hill's all starry night again saturday at nine o'clock discovernewfields.org is the website george i assume that you and i know what greg popovich meant to you so i assume that you still keep tabs on the san antonio spurs as well i wanted your thoughts now that we are halfway through it in the webamyama experience and just what kind of player he is and can become for San Antonio? I think he's a next-generational player. Um, what he's doing already as a rookie, uh, what he's doing at his age and his his size is something that we haven't seen in a long, long time. And I think with time, with weight, uh, with experience and maturity, I think he's going to be a guy that we're looking at for a long time in this league if staying healthy. Um, that we're going to say, man, this guy's career has turned out to be one of the best that we've ever seen. George Hill, our guest. Finally, George, um, you know, I wanted to give you the opportunity here. I know that, you know, Broderbill High School, when they closed it, I know that you had talked. I've seen several times that you have, you know, reached out about your desires to do different things. You had ideas for Broderbill. I believe it is back being used again, but not full-time as a high school uh, what was your thought on that, and, and where do things stand with that, if at all, still in motion? I mean, I, I actually really wanted to open it back up as a school. Um, you know, IPS didn't didn't want, I don't know, to sell it or – well, they wanted to sell it, just not for the price that I was willing to buy it for to turn it into a charter school. So um, I, they looked at it more as like a money investment to them instead of like opening it back to school for – uh, keep education on the forefront. Um, I mean, that's what we preach about, right? Everyone's education is so important. Um, but it's, it's only important unless the dollars are getting made. That's what we come to find out um, when we when we kind of look at things like this. Uh, so um, it is what it is. Uh, it's always still a dream of mine to open up my own school one day. And, you know, I thought Broadway would have been a great opportunity for me to reopen that school 
um, and try something new that that um, they haven't tried that there. Uh, but it didn't work out, and you know it, it's okay. I understand that um, they have their own agendas. I have my agenda, and I'm going to keep dreaming and keep praying that you know I get the opportunity to do that one day. Well, we would love to see you back at some point again with the Pacers. We shall see what happens with that, or just back in the NBA in general, George. But uh, I'm happy for you. I'm happy to hear that you know obviously life is going well, and from the time that you were. I think 15 years old from when I first met you to now, uh, you should be very proud of yourself and what you've accomplished, including putting together the event on Saturday night, discovernewfields.org, where people can get tickets for that. It is always a pleasure, and certainly enjoy the ranch life, all right? Thank you. You guys You guys got to show up to the event. Uh, I'll get your emails uh, after we get off of here. You guys got to be, be a part of it and come, come out. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Uh, Saturday night at 9 o'clock, we'll see George Hill there at Newfields. Discovernewfields.org is the website. George Hill, um, the hometown hero, as he was always introduced and aptly so, the pride of Broderpool High School and IEPY. As a matter of fact, George Hill, one of my favorite stories is he committed to IEPY when he was a sophomore at Broderpool. He went to basketball camp at IEPY for Ron Hunter. And just because he was kind of off the radar and didn't necessarily have the finances to go to some of the bigger camps, so he went to that basketball camp and Ron Hunter came up to him and said, you know, hey, would you want to come play here? And he said, yeah, I'll play at IEPUI. And he basically took that as a commitment, did George Hill. And then when he really started to blossom at Broderpool, and look, I know there are people that are like, well, he was a late bloomer. Now he was averaging 36 a game as a junior and was the leading scorer in the state as a senior at Broderpool. And then all of a sudden – some offers and some chatter started to come through and he had a conversation with his grandfather and told his grandfather that there were other schools looking at him and his grandfather said, but George, if anything, you should always be a person. If nothing else, it's a person of your word. So he called Ron Hunter and said, you know what? When I was a youngster, I told you that this is where I'd go and I'm a person of my word. And he ended up playing at IEPUI and having a great career there and obviously impressive that he was able to list all of those school or all of the teams with which he's played.